Welcome back to another edition of Hockey the Podcast. We're in the 115 area now, and it's an absolute pleasure tonight to bring you South Africa's goalkeeper, the man, the myth, the legend, Gowan Jones, is going to take us through the party in Posh, the, the, the barbecue in Birmingham, and all things in between. He's had a great career so far, but he feels like he's just getting started. All of that and more in this episode of Hockey the Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, South African goalkeeper, Gowan Jones. Gowan, welcome to Hockey the Podcast. It's overdue, but uh, it's wonderful to have you here. And uh, yeah, how does this wonderful evening find you? Yeah, Flip, I'm excited to be uh, to be here with you tonight. Um, it's a beautiful evening in uh, the number one province. So yeah, really excited to, to chat, uh, chat a little bit more about hockey. Yeah, I'm glad you've admitted that. I mean, for years, people from Western Province thought it was them, but it's so good to have you here admitting that Johannesburg and Gauteng is the number one province. It's wonderful to hear, Gowan. I don't know if you'll be safe at home when people hear this, but, uh, you know, thank you for those kind words. No, no, it's only a pleasure. I think uh, you've, you've taken that journalism thing and just uh, twisted information okay. there. So. <laughs> uh, well, we came Let's for the clip, but that. that was Hockey the Podcast. What a great episode. Gauteng is number one. <laughs> uh, I mean, Gowan, look, it's, it's, you are uh, firstly one of those people that we like to confirm is uh, certifiably crazy. Um, and that's because you choose to stand in a goal and have balls propelled at you at ridiculous speeds. Uh, you know, before we dive into your career, how did that happen? How did you become a a goalkeeper? Sure. So I was at um, uh, primary school. Uh, yeah, a bit of a soccer player in my uh, in my younger years, and in Bloemfontein, I was at I was at Grey Bloom, and soccer wasn't uh, wasn't taking off in, in the club scene. So decided to give my my. Uh, yeah, give my chance or give my go, give it a go at uh, at hockey. I got down to practice and the coach that we had at the time was like, listen, who wants to put the kit on? And um, yeah, just stuck my hand up, put the kit on and it's, it stayed on ever since. I remember my first game, uh, didn't really have much coaching, didn't really know how to kick the ball. Uh, classic grass fields in bloom, nice and dry and bouncy. Ball came up and I just gave it the good old soccer kick with the the laces and actually I kicked the opposition in the head. So it wasn't the greatest start to my goalkeeping career, but uh, they didn't score. So I'll take that as a positive. You could have done that in Poch a few times. That that would have helped us. No, no, we could have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gan, obviously it's, it's an interesting thing, but a goalkeeper has a very uh, different experience when it comes to international hockey um, than other people. I mean, you made your debut back in 2013, according to uh, FIHTMS. And uh, you've now, nine years later, managed to receive your 50th cap and, and obviously the most caps you've played in a short amount of time right now. Yeah, I mean, take us through that that, that challenge. Obviously, the goalkeepers' union are, are an incredible bunch because they're so supporting with each other. But it's not like outfield players when there's 18, they know they're all going to play. Quite often, a keeper sits on the bench for 50 caps and never ever comes off of it. Yeah, it's um, 
it's it's been a it's been a long a long road you know touring and and going to some incredible tournaments and incredible places um and yeah like you said you know sitting and, and watching a lot of hockey um i can count sure maybe a handful of caps that i've played uh that i've actually played full matches for for the national side so it's been it's been a lot of hard work mentally in that space to to keep you know keep going and stuff but I think it's one of those positions where it's quite rewarding uh, at some point in time in your career where you do get the opportunity to to stake your claim for the number one position. Um, yeah, I've been giving a go for for quite a long time, so it's uh, now might be the chance that that I get to to make that number one jersey my jersey and you know add add some more caps and experience into into that hat that I already have. Yeah, I mean, you say that, and I mean, you already have a pretty, pretty cool uh, a CV when it comes to hockey. I mean, you've been to the Hockey World Cup. You've been to, I think, twice, eh? 2014 and 2018. Um, yeah. You've been to the Commonwealth Games. I mean, you were at the Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, you obviously were not uh, one of the, the playing members, but you were there, and you got to experience some of the Olympic experience. I mean... What's what's been the highs and the lows so far of the international career? Uh, the highs would definitely be be touring, being out there with uh, with the guys, uh, getting to meet. I want to say that you know the big hockey stars, you know that we see on TV. I, it's it's so weird. We go to these tournaments, like you know, we've just played against the Germans in the pro league, and you see Christopher Christopher Ruhr running onto the field, and you're like, "Geez, like you know, that because it's it's really him," you know. And he, yeah, at the end of the day, he's just a normal, you know, another human being that plays a stick and ball game. But you get, you know, you get to see these guys, and that that's a cool experience. Um, and yeah, going going on tour and seeing when I was involved, seeing Rossi perform. Um, you know that that was a really cool experience, as you said. The, the goalkeeping union is is quite a, a tight knit group, so we do celebrate each other's successes on and off the field. Um, it is quite a unique group that we have, and yeah, you you, you make you got to make the best of it. Uh, I mean, like you said, I was in the 2014 World Cup. I think out of that whole month we were in Holland, I might have played 15 minutes uh, in that in that entire tournament. Um, so it's really hard, but when, you know, your number one keeper is playing, playing well, it, yeah, that's, that's where all that hard work on the training pitch has come, come off and you got to, yeah, you just respect that and that's where you are. And that's an experience that you take with you. It, it's an interesting factor because obviously a lot of that time, uh, you were number two to Rusty Peterson and as an avid hockey fan, as a, a fan of the game, as a, a South African fan, as you are. I mean, you want to watch him go out there and make save after save after save, but a small little smidgen of you maybe wants him to uh, slip up and offer you a gap. I mean, it, it's really tough being mates with these guys and, and competing with them and, and also you know, supporting them and wanting them to succeed, but also wanting the opportunity for yourself. Yeah, I think that's where the the, the relationship between the, the two... Oh, actually, the two that you know are there on tour, but the group that is that is there, the, the goalkeeping group. I think it's quite important to to understand where the the competition phase kind of lies. You know, where you're pushing each other and you're competing for that spot. 
and to then change it over to to being to being there to being the number two keeper where you need to be that backup you need to make sure that the number one keeper is is training right you know pushing him where he needs to be you know giving him some advice on what you see and just making his game a little bit easier uh to yeah to to execute at the end of the day if you get it if you do get a chance as as the number two coming off the bench you know what you you got to give it your all when you when you do get that chance yeah, and, and I mean, if you think about something like the Tokyo Olympic Games, you, you went in the village, you were outside the village, so you had to travel a little bit of a distance. I mean, you obviously don't want to see uh, Rassi get injured, but you also have to be ready at any point to get that call up. But you're also training and staying in peak condition for something that may not happen. How difficult is that experience mentally? Yeah, that was... that that. Yeah, I won't lie. Last year was was mentally quite uh, quite tough. Um, even before the the team was selected, I kind of had uh, I kind of had an idea that um, that the two keepers that were originally selected were going to be selected. But I knew that I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't keep training because that's not the type of person not not the type of person that I am. So. To to have stopped uh, to have stopped training would have been yeah wouldn't have been part of my my game plan, um, and I actually enjoy the training. Um, you know, it's not something that's that's tedious. So, not training would have been mentally a lot you know a lot more damaging to me than actually training. And and you know there might not be a chance that that you get. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, the, the experience must have uh, of being so close to being a fully-fledged Olympian and, and being in and around the village and being at the games and and stuff. You know, how how much does that motivate you to, to keep going and to uh, try and secure your spot in the, uh, the Paris 2023 team? 2024, I'm making it. Sure, so, yeah. 2024, yeah, so it's just around the corner. <laughs> um, yeah, flip really motivated to try and uh, try and get that uh, that behind my my name. Um, you know, Rio was was obviously the first goal, so I was I was gonna try push quite hard for Rio, um, and then you know, diff- yeah, circumstances that that one fell away, and then when Tokyo came around. Yeah, super fortunate to have gotten a chance to to get on the plane and go to Tokyo. But just coming in, seeing the guys every day, you know, chatting to them and doing all of that stuff, and then seeing them perform on that on that biggest stage, you know, in, in our um, in our sport. Just yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fire that that's going to stick around till till twenty twenty four, and we'll give we'll definitely give Paris a a bash and. Yeah, see see how that all pans out. And I mean, going uh, as far as keepers go, uh, you're 32 now. That's really spring chicken still for keepers. I mean, I know you've been on the scene for a long time, but the, the challenge is not necessarily your fitness or uh, um, you know your conditioning or anything like that. The challenge is probably bigger, and that's in life and work and all of those. Um, you know, and as uh, your, your your kid starts to grow up, uh, it becomes a lot more challenging. I mean. Even pro league now, you were away for two weeks. Go to training camps, bubbles, 
Africa. How are you coping with everything, um, you know, fitting everything in, you know, the, the, the demand right now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm super fortunate. I've got, uh, got a very good, good support system back home. So we, we live on the same property as my, as my folks. So I've got my parents that are, are able to help out my, my missus to look after, uh, look after Nixon, you know, if she needs a break. Um, I've got my in-laws that stay just around the corner. So, you know, we can always take him for a walk or Kaz can always take him for a walk to burn off a bit of energy and let him go swim there at the in-laws. Um, but yeah, just a really good support base back at home. Um, work has work has been work has been the tough part. Uh, it's it's quite yeah, it's been quite challenging managing the hockey program that I that I run at the school and just making sure that that runs seamlessly as as if I was there. So that was I found I found mentally quite uh, quite challenging when I was away at uh, at pro league and then also you know that last little bit in Ghana. Um, but yeah, we, we seem to have managed. Okay. I think it's, I think it's one of those things, you know, as South African hockey players, not being full-time hockey players, we, we've had to learn how to juggle these things from, from the get-go, you know, even at varsity level, you've had to learn how to, how to juggle everything. And I think that plays a, a definite helping hand in the way that we manage ourselves now as, as adults. Um, I still consider myself a bit of a kid adult, but yeah. As, as adults, you know, with jobs and children and, you know, wives and everything of the rest and still managing to get out into the field and play some hockey. Yeah, look, uh, I've always said when you grow up, you grow old. So uh, don't be in any rush to grow up. But no. uh, I mean, I mean, you've, you've, you've alluded to Ghana, you've alluded to, to Pro League and, and let's start in Ghana. Obviously, you went over there and uh, yeah, it was a tough tournament. We, we were able to watch on Supersport the the... The glory in Ghana, a really cool documentary, and and hopefully, you know, the start of something more uh, with SuperSport in terms of coverage for the team. But uh, yeah, I mean, it got to the final. We got to play against uh, the old enemy, being uh, Egypt. For anyone who was living under a rock, it's a lot of pressure on the team. It's a huge game. It's a huge stakes. I mean, literally, it's a ticket at the World Cup. It it doesn't close the doors. I mean, if you if you don't qualify, you always can uh, go and try and qualify through uh, some other tournaments. Of course, this time around, because of COVID, there's no time for other tournaments. So uh, it it was a, it was a closed door. It was either win this game or or uh, or don't go to the World Cup. And, yeah. And so we go into the game and we take a one lead. We have about nine penalty corners where we fail to score. Um, they managed to get one goal where uh, our defenders were caught napping and it ends up going all the way to shootouts and and you know cometh uh, the hour of shootouts that's when all the pressure is on the keeper how how were you feeling at at that point guy knowing the pressure that was on it and and obviously did you also know at that point that you would be the keeper in the shootout yeah, so Springs did um, did let us know in uh, in our team chats earlier on in the day before we got to the you know the the formal team talk on on how we're going to play. He did let us uh, myself and Sia know that that I would be taking the the shootouts. So that was that was quite a nice one to know. You know, not just end of the game and hey, you know, good luck. 
you know, there was a bit of time to prepare mentally back at home. Um, I don't know, Tyron, it was quite, quite hard to, to describe. I wasn't really nervous. There was, there was a bit of excitement um, that, that was around. Uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned the pressure. I don't, I don't remember feeling, feeling the pressure. I, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a, it's a, a, a weird thing. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure yet, but yeah, it, I didn't feel, I didn't feel pressure. I know when, uh, when, when my wife and I were watching the, the uh, documentary on super sports, and a couple other people have said to me, sure, they've, they've never seen me celebrate, you know, one-on-one saves like I did in that game. And I, I can't even tell you why I celebrated like I did, you know, after I made the, the one double save. You know, it, it was just emotion that came out. And yeah, like I said, I, 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 wasn't, uh, I wasn't too nervous about going into, into the 1v1s. Um, I was quite, you know, quite happy and, and relaxed, I would say. Yeah, and we saw it, and it was a fantastic shootout for you personally, and obviously for all of us as South Africans watching uh, the team getting over the line. Of course, uh, once again, the team battled to select their uh, their, and and this again, I say this with no discredit meant to the guys that did go, but it was hardly the the best team that we could have selected because of unavailability, players unavailable for for work reasons, for injuries, uh, and of course for the indoor the indoor hockey world cup that had then turned out to be cancelled. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, there was this spring in the Egyptian uh, step. They uh, they believed this was their turn playing on on frankly an unacceptable turf. Did you did you at any point in that final start to to think maybe this is India's turn? Uh, sorry, not India's, Egypt's. No, um, you know when they when they scored their their goal, I, I was in the goals, and my immediate thing was, oh, geez, going, you, you know, you you've messed up here, you know, you've 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 cost us. Um, and then they they came at us for yeah, a space of three minutes where they put us under a bit of pressure. They got a a PC from a a penalty corner from a save I had to make. I unfortunately rebounded onto onto Jet who was. Yeah, in a good position, marking a man. Um, Timmy saved the ball off the line. I think it was when you know when Timmy saved the ball off the line. Um, I kind of knew, I kind of had a feeling there that we, that we were going to be okay. Um, we went into the third chucker and we we didn't we didn't look like we were going to let them let them get anything. Uh, if I remember correctly, in the fourth chucker, I don't think they. Got a circle entry. They had, I think, one twenty-five entry where they, one of the the Egyptian forwards took a dive, and I remember the umpire shouting at him and stuff. But no, I, I didn't have a feeling of sure we we've let this one slip. Um, I know we lost we lost to to Egypt in the uh, the World League in Cape Town. I think it was in twenty four. Well, was it twenty sixteen? The beginning of twenty sixteen. And that was a qualification tournament that we needed to come top three and to go to to Rio. And I remember in that game where we scored and they scored again. And yeah, that that was a different feeling compared to what it was now. Um, yeah, 
there wasn't much concern. I didn't have I didn't have that feeling of oh, she's we we might have thrown this one down the drain. Yeah, and you know I I, I remember watching and uh, talking to Marissa Langeni and saying. I genuinely never felt like they were going to go and score. I was just worried because I didn't feel like we were going to, as much as we were having all the pressure. And, you know, yeah, I, I do think showdowns are not as much of a lottery as shootouts as uh, strokes were. But you still never know. From uh, In eight seconds, a lot of things can happen. And, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're stoked that uh, we managed to get through. But what it did was it confirmed a really, really busy hockey calendar. And uh, you've already alluded to it. We've already spoken about it. Uh, but there was a party in Potchestrom. And at, at that stage, when you guys went Ghana, we were still not 100% sure Potchestrom was happening. Uh, I mean, it just I, I think it's important to frame that. Or I think it had just been confirmed just before that. Um, I, and I can't remember. I get it. It all, all becomes a blur in my mind. But... You know, a lot of people will look at that and say, yeah, but we didn't really perform that well, especially at the start and those opening games. You know, we conceded a lot of goals. But what people don't know or don't really consider is, A, we didn't have time to prepare. People weren't able to get leave. I mean, you yourself couldn't come for all eight games. You you had to miss the opening two. Um, there were players who were injured. There were players who, who financially couldn't get there. There wasn't a lot of time to train and prep as a, as a unit. And, um, yeah, there were a few players in the squad who probably didn't think they were going to get another call-up for South African hockey. So, you know, you, you come into that team and you arrive, of course, after the two heavy, heavy defeats to uh, to Netherlands and India. How would you have described the moral, considering you were in Ghana with a team that had won, joining them after those two, two defeats? And... Yeah, I know we didn't get a result in the end of a victory, but we got a far, far improved performance. Where are we sitting in the moral? Uh, the moral, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The the dichotomy of moral. Where where do we find ourselves at this point in time? So yeah, definitely a a happier group at the end of of that uh, that pro league that pro league phase. Um, and I mean, you you did mention it. It it was sure that it was mentally, physically, emotionally quite quite a draining period. You know, going to to Poch for a week before Ghana, then going to Ghana for a week and a half, then coming back. You know, trying to fit back into normal life for for what for me was was a week and a half. Um, jump on a plane, go to Poch, and fill into you know to now the hockey boots. Um, you know it was it was quite yeah quite draining on all three fronts. But the the team the team's morale definitely at the end was a lot more positive. Um, I think we we're trying to we we're trying to fix things on the field. You know while while the games were happening, where whereas if we had more you know possibly more time to prepare as a group we we would have been in a better space to to have fixed smaller problems um or smaller things on the field um yeah i, I definitely think we we're in a better space it's going to be very interesting to see um you know after having a break now and our regional hp camp starting starting next week i know clubs have started i know guys are doing indoor ipt and things like that but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next uh, the next coming month before the guys head off to arge for for the next round of pro league 
Um, there's a lot of work that can be done in, in that in that time. And I think the guys that were in Poch will definitely bring that experience of, you know, those those hard games that we had in that beginning phase to into Argentina and then just keep building from there. Pro League was, you know, off the bat, not the tournament that we wanted to win. It was the building tournament for what we have coming up. Um, which is for us as our team, as our team goal that that we're looking to achieve. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because that's uh, very much where uh, Coach Gareth Ewing has set. He's said it uh, time and time again. Uh, you know, we we looked at the Olympics and we looked how far behind everyone we were in caps and the caps we were getting. And again, I mean this with no disrespect, but we're against Namibia, who are ranked in the bottom thirty in the world. Uh, so we have been crying out for the opportunity to play against these top nations. And, and we've got the opportunity. And look, uh, I think uh, Netherlands and India gave us uh, what can only be classed as uh, a proper hockey lesson. But what we started to see towards the back end of the two weeks was that those lessons are starting to be learned. And that must be something, you know, you've been around for a long time but I don't recall a South African team showing the learnings as quickly considering the limitations that we had within that squad. Yeah. I mean, what, what normally happens with, with us is we, we end up going to, you know, a major tournament like the, like the world cup um, where we have some time to prepare, but we, we almost, we almost get there in the first few games of the World Cup. We, we're trying to figure things out and find our straps and find our feet. And then the last two games, the last game of the World Cup, you know, we we fixed all our our um, our problems on the field. You know, not I don't want to say problems, but you know, we fix things that are happening on the field, and and we just end off the tournament on on a good note. Um, I think now with with this phase that we're in, we have the opportunity to fix things. Um, as we go on and as we head into Commonwealth Games, post-Commonwealth Games, and then heading into the World Cup. So the the plan and the, the thinking, and I think the goal for this group is that we we are not going into a tournament fixing fixing things or trying to change things. We're going there with a plan and we're going there, you know, hitting our straps as we yeah, as as we as we as best we can really. It's it's also interesting. I mean, we talk about uh, the the pro league, and it's been an amazing opportunity. It really has been. Um, but you know, next we got to fly all the way to Argentina, which is, uh, you know, I've never been there, but uh, I've been told it's one of the longest flights because uh, mm. we don't fly direct. You often fly via Dubai, which means you're flying eight hours one way, another twelve hours the other way. You've got uh, jet lag, and you're going all the way there for two test matches. Um, yeah. in front of a packed Argentinian crowd. We've seen even the Springbok rugby go over there and struggle just because it's a completely different environment. Uh, the time zone really does knock. And, and it's not something that we as hockey players are necessarily uh, uh, well-versed in. But it is an exciting opportunity. The question is, again, you know, how much of Coach Gareth Ewing's best team will be available because it's club commitment, it's a work commitment, and again, it's a lot of leave, considering you're going away just for two games. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a tricky one for for Springs and for you know his coaching group and his selection panel to 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 wrap their heads around that one. Um, it, I, I I wouldn't want to be in the, that position. Um, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But I think the the depth in the squad that we have at the moment, we have players who are who are good enough to to go over there. Yeah, we might not be taking our best uh, eighteen or, or twenty four or whatever the number is that uh, that the, the that management are going to look to take over. But I think I think we've I think what Springs did with uh, with this group of taking 20, 24 guys to pro league, you know, just opened doors for for guys and gave them a bit of experience. To now, you know, keep going from there. They're not starting from from scratch. Yeah, some of the guys only have you know seven eight caps, but you know they're not starting getting their first cap. So it is going to be a tricky one. Um, I don't know if Springs uh, I don't know if Springs is going to have his his best 18 or you know his preferred 18 that that he wants to to take with because of leave and everything else but i think at this point this is what uh what we have to this is what we've been given this is what we have to run with and yeah as a group we're just going to have to make sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody's pulling the rope same direction yeah it, it's a good point because once again the goal isn't to go to Argentina and win, it's to go and get experience. And so, you know, again, you really are hoping for uh, your best possible team to be assembled for probably in the next uh, 12 months. The big ones are the Commonwealth Games and the FIH World Cup. Now, we saw the Commonwealth Games teams being announced this week. Um, a very interesting uh, collection of teams. Um, and, of course, Africa is represented twice there with uh, uh, Ghana joining South Africa, which is also in itself pretty exciting. Now, you have tasted Commonwealth's action before. Um, we, we would be going there and taking on Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Pakistan, England, Scotland, Ghana, India and Wales. And, of course, India have confirmed they will not be sending their first team because it's so close to the Asian qualifier. So, I mean... Having been to a Commonwealth Games before, I mean, we, we all know the Commonwealth Games is seen as, um, what's the nice way of saying this, Olympic light, um, but it really is the, the multi-sport game that offers us the opportunity to compete and potentially even medal. Yeah, it, it, it 100% does. I mean, we... We were, we were super close in uh, in in Scotland in 2014 uh, to getting a medal. I think we we ended up losing. Um, was it to Pakistan or to India? I think it might have been to India, where we needed to get a result. Um, you know, to make to make it to play for you know for one to one to four. Um, I, I definitely think if we can if we can get our best group. Um, to go to to the Commonwealth Games, and we can have good preparation, solid foundations uh, set from this pro league and and everything of the rest. I don't see why we can't go to a a Commonwealth Games and and push teams. I mean, we we did it in um, we did it on the Gold Coast in 2018. 
where we where we pushed Australia. Um, you know that was uh, yeah the the team performed super well in, in that game. Um, we just need to have more consistent phases of those of those games. We need to put those games closer together. Um, and I, I don't see why this team can't go to a Commonwealth Games and and medal or even play top four. Yeah, absolutely. It would be something uh, absolutely fantastic. Do, do you as the players get as excited for the Commonwealth Games as some of the other tournaments? Sure. I was I was super excited for my first Com Games. Um, I, I missed out. I was the, the traveling reserve for the, the one in Glasgow. And then I got I got sent home two days before we we got into the village in Scotland. Um, so my first taste of multi sport, you know, this multi sport event was at um, was at uh, twenty eighteen on the Gold Coast, and it was just an incredible experience, you know, to get there to go into the village and you see all these other athletes walking around, um, to see the facilities that they have. Yeah, it's super super cool. There is. Nothing that compares to the Hockey World Cup, though. Um, I think that is that is a tournament on a completely different level. Uh, the tournament in India in 2018 in Bhubaneswar, um, the one in 2014 in The Hague, just incredible tournaments. I mean, there you've got spectators who are coming to watch, and they're coming just to watch hockey. So they are hockey mad. Um, I think the spectators that we that we get at the Commonwealth Games you know, are there to watch the event and be part of the, the Commonwealth Games event and not necessarily just hockey spectators. But the event as a whole was, was super, super incredible. Um, I know some of the guys were saying, you know, it is the mini Olympics, you know, it's that stepping stone, you know, because it's relatively similar with the village and the way things are done and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's a super cool event to to be part of. Yeah, and Gowan, it, it obviously also offers a, a different opportunity. The Olympics are very strongly governed by the IOC. You know, you don't get to see behind the scenes as much. It's it's um, very strict on what you as players can post. I mean, the Commonwealth Games gives you a, a far broader thing. So it's a really nice opportunity to thank your sponsors as well. Yeah, um, 100% correct. The, she's the paperwork we had to sign for... For Tokyo was was incredible, um, you know, and it didn't it didn't stop there. You know, when we got into uh, into Tokyo and you got into the stadium, you had to have your you, they they taped my my grip on my stick because it it had a different names. It it had shamrocks written on it, and my I play with a merchant stick. And they made me take the grip off or put tape over the name because the name on this on the the grip didn't match the name on the stick. You know, it's 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 incredible what they what they do and what they limit you to. But you know, I suppose that's that's the the Olympics at the end of that. But you're right, the Commonwealth Games, a little bit more freedom to to give your your sponsors some some airtime at the end of the day. Um, you know, at that at that international stage. And, uh, I mean, it would only be right to uh, give them a little bit of airtime right now. Who are the sponsors that help you on this journey? So, I'm sure super fortunate to to have uh, Coach and CrossFit. Um, so, they help me out with, with my, my gym and allow me to use their facility and everything like that. 
Um, I've got the guys from Mersion that obviously supply me with all the equipment um, to keep me keep me safe in the goals. Um, and then I've got a company called SportsRx. Um, they are a nutrition company, a supplement brand that that have come on board and helped me with all of my recovery and yeah, helping me on on that side of it. And then yeah, we've we've got our our Virgin Active Virgin Active guys that that sponsor the group and help us out with with uh, gym sessions from there as well. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And I mean, Gowan, the other thing that uh, people often uh, say is. The SA players pay to play for the country, obviously. Uh, currently, you haven't had to pay to go play pro league except for your leave and your uh, you know, potential loss of income. But uh, just to set the record straight for li- listeners, obviously there's been tournaments in the past, but currently, uh, have you been asked to pay for any tours lately? So, no, we've been fortunate that... Um uh, the African Cup was was funded. Um, I'm not sure where where the the funding came from. I know Brett Tucker and Saha worked you know, furiously to to try and get some some money in there, and yeah, they managed to cover everything. Um, there was a proposed amount of fifty four thousand rand for for that. Um, Northwest University have come on board as well and helped us out tremendously with the camps pre-Olympics, uh, the camps that we had pre-Ghana, and then also you know staying in the village in the sports the sports village now for pro league. Uh, pro league we haven't had to we haven't had to pay for if I if I um, have my information correct I think Super Sports are are the guys that are helping us out with this whole pro league league phase at the moment so yeah very fortunate that we haven't had to pay anything uh to go on tour but yeah like you said we've obviously had to take a, a little bit of unpaid leave from uh from our employees and things like that but yeah very fortunate that we haven't had to pay for for actual tours yet yeah and and, and i didn't do that to try and blow smoke up if so hockey's ass or or, or about Brett Tucker, but but i mean it must be nice because you've also been part of squads where you have been asked to pay and it must be nice just to have a little bit of that pressure taken off of the guys. Yeah, I think that I think that pressure definitely, yeah, that well release of pressure definitely put the guys at ease. I think for Ghana because it was it was very strange. We got told when the, the squad was announced that we'd have to fork out fifty four thousand rand, and then you know there was a lull over that December period with a bit of communication, you know, as to what was happening. I know the guys were working behind the scenes. Um, we then came into January, we had another discussion and, you know, went down to, to 20,000 Rand, but, you know, for guys to still fork out 20,000 Rand uh, to, to go away is, is a hell of a lot of, you know, hell of a lot of money and the pressure of where do we find this money to, to go and how do we make it through the rest of the month and everything like that. So, with that uh, that money coming in, you know you can almost write that off out of your brain, and you can then just focus on what we are there to do, and which is there to train, and then put performances in on the turf. Um, it definitely takes a lot of pressure off guys uh, to to then just focus on what we have to do, which is to play a stick and ball game. Yeah, it, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the other the other thing that I found very interesting is uh, obviously I, I've. Uh, I get to see behind the curtain a little bit with uh, some of the national teams and, and the men's team is right now one of those teams. Um, 
and it's very very interesting you know talking to the players who have been around for a longer time um there is something different and something special brewing in this group that that maybe has been lacking for a while uh you know tim mentioned to me before it, it feels like we've we finally learned to start embracing our diversity as our weapon rather than as a hindrance and it's something sia colisi has uh said quite often that when South Africans realize how powerful our diversity is, we'll become unstoppable in the world. In terms of the teams you've been in, how how is the vibe in this team compared to some of the previous ones? And, and I'm not asking you to throw shade at anyone. I'm just talking, it, it feels from just inside the curtain, there is something special brewing here and something special could happen with this team that maybe I didn't always feel in the past. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I've been involved for a while and we've had, you know, not to not to slate any of the previous teams or or any of the, the guys that have been in the system before. But, you know, we have had some some toxic environments that I think come in phases with with most international and, and high performing teams. Um, we've yes, we've worked incredibly long and hard with uh, Ian Shippey and Craig Carolyn on defining and refining our culture within the team and what the SA men's hockey team is standing for and what we are about and the image we want to portray and and what legacy we want to leave. And I think it's 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 starting to come through now that you know we. We are a lot more tolerant as a group and embracing each other's diversity and different cultures. I mean, the, the guys in the group are, we're, we're definitely better teammates now than what we were before. Um, you know, in the group, we always talk about, we don't have to be, we don't all have to be friends. You know, 18 of us are, are all different. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different circumstances at home where some guys are studying, some guys are working. You know, but we all taking it in and we're all tolerating, you know, everyone. We're building on that. We we're starting to understand each other a lot more in the team, which is is making the relationships better on and off the field. Um, and I think that's what uh, you know, you can feel from you know, from just being on the inside there. I think this group is gonna be the start of something good for South African hockey. I'm not hundred percent sure if if it's going to happen in my career, um, you know, depending on how long, how long I'm around for, but I definitely think the platform and the building blocks that, that this group is putting in now is going to benefit the next generation of South African hockey players coming in. I don't think we, I mean, I might be horribly wrong in saying this, but I think we are setting the platform for bigger success for the group that is coming in after us. I think we are laying the foundation and we are building up for, for that group after us to, to take South African hockey, you know, to, to a next level. Um, not saying that this group won't achieve anything special, but I think we are definitely laying the platform for, you know, a more professional, more, yeah, just, just everything better when the next generation comes through. I think it's a powerful, powerful statement. And I think, you know, you're right. I think we are, uh, we have a responsibility, no matter what we do, it, it's been on my approach in life, wherever I work, wherever I do, take something, 
do what you can with it and leave it in a better place than you found it. And it's definitely true of the current team. You you hinted at something there without necessarily saying it, but uh, you know you are one of the older players in the team from an age point of view, and uh, as we said, keepers can go for quite a long time. What, have you got any plans? Is there a is there an end end goal in sight at this point, or are you just enjoying your run uh, for now? And you, you're not making any decisions yet. So yeah, I'm. I'm... <laughs> I'm super excited. I'm I'm enjoying enjoying my hockey um, at the moment. I've been enjoying it for for quite a while now. For the last yeah, the last good couple good couple of years. Um, I am yeah. I'm turning 33 this year. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm going to give myself another another couple of years. Um, I'm gonna push myself as hard as I can to to Paris. Um, you know, push as hard as I can for. For a spot in that in that setup, and then just take that roller coaster from there, and then reevaluate post Paris. Um, you know, definitely with with the age with the age now and the workload and um, a new a new little Jones coming in at the at the end of March. It's yeah, I think priorities are going to have to change a little bit, but I'm definitely going to give myself you know the next the next two years till Paris uh, to to give it one hell of a push and see see what happens if the body holds up yeah then you know have a discussion with the missus and and see how we how we are and what what we're doing but there's no there's no end you know to say that paris is going to be the end that that is the goal that i'm working to at the moment um and we'll just reevaluate post paris yeah nothing wrong with that it's a good goal to have and and uh yeah i think this team could do some exciting things. If not in Paris, I definitely think if we can keep this young core together, we are in for a massive, massive opportunity, let's say, in um, uh, in, in in Los Angeles four years later. Uh, hopefully it's still Hockey 11 aside and not Hockey 5. Yeah, um, but, that'll be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, look, if it's Hockey 5, I don't know if you want to play on for that because then keepers are really in danger. Jeez, then we just get peppered. <laughs> As opposed to? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> so, are we going to, just, just some fun as we get to the end of this. I mean, it's always interesting to talk to players who have specific numbers. Uh, and for most of your career, we see the number 32 on your jerseys. Is there any significant number, a significant reason for the number? Or is it one of those? It's the, it was available. No, so yeah, when I when I started, I started in the squad in in 2010 um, as as just a training keeper and just always got given uh, got given the the smocks and I think it was for yeah the good first two years that I was involved, I kind of got every number that was just available to put on a smock that that I got given. So I never really <laughs> never really had a number that I could call my own. Um, I think it was then in 20, uh, 2012, um, I had number 24 and 22, which I th- if I remember correctly, 24 is Miggs's number. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we you know, went back and forth with that. And obviously Miggs was the older guy, so he kept, uh, he kept the 24. And then post, uh, post London, when Boats retired, um, yeah, I got... I got handed the 
the the 32 that the the flying frog used and i i don't know i felt i felt super privileged to to be wearing a number you know that a keeper had had handed down um you know i don't know if he directly handed it down to me or if it was just hey here's 32 and you know it's yours now but yeah i was super super privileged to to be given a, a number where you know, you you had been training with this guy for for a good couple of years. You know, you had looked up to him, and you know, you you'd worked hard to try and you know be on the same level as what he was. And then all of a sudden, you were getting selected, and hey, you're wearing the same number that he has after he's retired. Um, yeah, super privileged to to have received that number thirty two, and yeah, I just stuck with it and just made it my own. You know, I, yeah, I I love the thirty two. I I bought the number at my at, at at Riverside as well. I reserved that number until I leave the club. Um, my my Raiders number, you know. So it's just a number that stuck with me. Um, no no real significant meaning to it. It's just the number that's that stuck with me. Yeah, there's zero things wrong with that. I mean, I'll be honest. I actually had to retire from hockey because uh, myself and Jethro, we don't only share a birthday. We also share a favorite number. And I, you know, I didn't want to break. Oh, no. I didn't want to break his heart, so I said he could have it. You know, and uh, uh, well, the, the the truth is, we do share a birthday and a, and a favorite number. I mean, my son even came to yeah. me the other day and said he wants to when he plays for Arsenal one day, because obviously I've indoctrinated him like that. Um, he wants to wear number twenty one. <laughs> and uh, so it stuck. So uh, yeah, Jethro. Um, when my son gets up there, you're going to have to move aside because uh, we both know Jeff. Sure, he's going to have to hand that over. Uh, Gowan, yeah, I mean, obviously the other thing keepers are notoriously known for is uh, they are the life of the party and also sometimes they are not the neatest characters when it comes to change rooms and stuff. Uh, are you a uh, typical keeper? Are you the quintessential keeper or are you a little bit different from the the norm there? Sure, I, I've definitely got um, got my my routine and and keeping my things, uh, you know, where I where I like them. Um, no, I, I I don't know. Um, I, th- I think I'm relatively normal within you know within the boundaries of the goalkeeping group. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm I don't think I'm any different to to any of the other keepers uh, out there. No. Within the boundaries of the goalkeeping group is a very broad <laughs> boundaries. It's like uh, I passed my matric exam. What did you get? It's not important. I passed. No point. I passed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go now. Uh, we we've got a, a big year ahead. What what uh, you got? Argentina, Spain, Belgium, England in the Pro League. We've got the Commonwealth Games. We have the FIH Nations Cup, which we are probably uh, to partake in, as we technically are not a Pro League team. Um, and then, of course, the World Cup in January. Which which of those sits highest on your list for excitement? I am super excited for for the Commonwealth Games, um, just because, like we said previously, I think I think we can really do something something special there. Um, I yeah, I'm excited for the rest of Pro League. I'm I'm really excited to see how this group is going to going to grow and and build and take on you know the the so-called top nations, um, and and just yeah try and be try and be better uh, as a as a group, and then I think that the the big one that 
that I'm yeah, deep down inside really excited for is the the World Cup in India. Uh, the those Indian supporters are are wild. Um, I had a, I saw the the stadium that's that's being proposed to be built it looks incredible. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited for for the World Cup. Uh, just to go back back to India, it's it's, it's an incredible place. Um, she's some great experiences there there in India uh, at the World Cup. And yeah, Commonwealth Games, just to be surrounded by by athletes at the their peak performance levels. Uh, yeah, it, it it promises to be an absolutely amazing couple of months for the South African men's hockey team. I think the Commonwealth Games offers us a great opportunity for ranking points as well, um, because obviously the Pro League has knocked that a little bit. But it, it promises to be yeah. a year where we end... Uh, better off than we were a year ago and that in itself is exciting and, and yeah Gowan it must be just really exciting to be a part of it and and know that you are helping shape the history of South African hockey yeah I think at the I think at the end of the day if, if we can you know like you you said earlier if we can leave this this jersey if I can leave number 32 um, in a better place than then, then I found it. Um, then, then yeah. And like I said earlier, if if this group of players can can keep building and keep doing what we're doing now, and leave this team in a in a better place and give the the next generation uh, the opportunities to to perform and and do what they need to do, then then I think we've done our job. And that that is an exciting part. You know, the tournaments are really cool to tick off your off your list and and things like that. But I think. When uh, eventually, when we call it a day on our careers, you want to look back and you want to be super proud of what you've done, but you also want to be super proud of the next generation that are coming through. And and they are then wearing that SA Men's Hockey badge, and you know you can say, "Yeah, damn right, I was part of that group." And and look at the group now in front of us. Yeah, Gowan, uh, yeah, we love your attitude. I, I think you embody exactly what it means to be a South African sportsman. And uh, yeah, I do hope that. Uh, the next couple of years building up to uh, Paris, things go well off the field that allow everything to go well on the field because it's an absolute pleasure seeing you there. And I'm glad you got the opportunity and, and I'm really glad to see that you're taking it with uh, both kickers and gloves. <laughs> no, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a super cool, uh, super cool time to be, to be back in the, in the group again. Um, and yeah, just enjoying enjoying being out on the field and kicking some balls. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for the man. None other than Gowan. <laughs> huge studio audience here. Huge studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Massively, yeah, massive. Yeah, massive. Guys, calm down, calm down, please. Um, he will sign a shirt for every single one of you. Uh, all right, speaking of which, uh, listeners, you should go and check out in the next couple of days the SA Hockey um, uh, Instagram page. Uh, I've managed to put a little get-together there with uh, SA Hockey. Uh, so it's SA Hockey, Hockey the Magazine. We've got a shirt from the SA Hockey team signed by all the players that played in Potchefstroom. Uh, that we will be giving away. So check that out, including Gowan. And of course, uh, stay tuned here on Hockey the Podcast. We've got lots of stories to tell you over the next couple of months. 
lots of lots of things to do uh, lots of places where hockey is going and of course when there's a hockey story if you want to listen we will be telling it so thank you for joining thank you gowan for joining and good luck for the road ahead listeners uh, make sure you leave a rating share like the podcast make us uh, make us rich and famous uh, but probably not rich so let's go with famous have a great one let's go with famous keep it real um, and see you on the turf.